I'm me, you're you, and this is Wiggly's Book Club, episode 015. Wiggly's Book Club is brought to you every other week as part of the GiantMediaBall.com network. Check the website for show schedules. Wiggly's Book Club is brought to you free for no money and recorded live in Sloppy Joe's Bar in scenic downtown Easton, Pennsylvania. Giant fight! That's something that happens. Without further ado, let us now go live to Wiggly and Sloppy Joe's Bar for a reading of the 1977 A Golden All-Star Book Classic, Isis. Okie dokie. Ah, there we go. Despite my better judgment, I'm going to read another one of those. Uh, a golden all-star book today. This one's going to be Isis, which I already said at the top of the show. Last last week, I didn't even get to tell the story of Gabe Kaplan versus Robert Conrad in Battle of the Network Stars. Conrad challenged... Uh, uh, well, Conrad, you know, if you know, he was from Baba Black Sheep and, you know, knocked the battery off my shoulder, I dare you. So he uh, he was in the ass end of a relay race, I guess, and Gabe Kaplan was in the ass end of a relay race, you know, when he passed the bat- bat- baton, and uh, Kaplan won, Gabe, um, Mr. Clotter won, and so Conrad said, you know, this is bullshit. He, you know, he's complaining to the ref. So Conrad challenged Gabe Kaplan to a one-on-one race. And who won? Gabe Kaplan. So Robert Conrad had to eat crow. And I was on Battle of Network Stars, which used to happen. That used to be a thing. People, people from... Uh, uh, television, or maybe even no, I don't even think movie people were. I think it's just TV people would uh, have Olympics uh, type events against each other. Really weird. Um, sort of it, then, then, and then they had the Hanna Barbera Laugh Olympic, Laugh Olympics, which was the Hanna Barbera characters having an Olympics against each other. And I, I told this story on one show before, but it's so long ago, I don't know. But like the wacky races, which would be different. Uh, Hanna-Barbera characters racing against each other and I think there was even a space race maybe something like that and the Laugh Olympics I would always like who's gonna win you know who's like as if as if no one knew the outcome of these things Uh, you know as if it wasn't a car I knew it was a cartoon it was just weird okay so today I'm gonna have some of this here I just poured way too much sparkly nice lemonade Classic lemonade, zero calories with vitamins and antioxidants. I don't know who makes this. Somebody. Mountain spring water, sparkling ice. I guess sparkling sparkling ice. I uh, put about a shot or a shot and a half of Gordon's London dry, dry gin. I made this a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I'm going to put it in today because now I started telling what I'm doing. And I got some Angust, Angustura aromatic bitters. Just give a dash or two of that now this is on the rocks and uh here's my i'm gonna give that a stir now i'm stirring this properly you you make the vulcan live long and prosper put the stirrer in the middle 
of the live long and prosper and face your knuckles towards the glass and then swirl around like that. And that's how you're supposed to stir a stirred beverage. And I don't garnish this with anything. I don't do any of that fancy stuff. Let me take a swig. Hmm. Now that is good. And uh, continuing in my vein of no more stink beer. Let's see what I'll have today. Uh, by the way, don't drink kids. Okay, here we go. This is by Sock and Creek. It's got a picture of a green ultimate warrior. With a, whoa. With, sorry. With a picture of a, a green Hulk Hogan. Uh, that, well, he's half Hogan, half Macho Man. He's got the Macho Man sunglasses and the Macho Man beard, but he's got the Hulk Hogan yellow headband and yellow uh, trunks and, 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 and those uh, boots. And he's jumping off the top rope, going to give the green Ultimate Warrior... Oh, they're, they're, they're pieces of hops, you see. Pieces of hops. i got to get a coaster. Okay. And, uh, oh no, i got to open this. Wait. Pieces of hops and so he's gonna it's called hop suplex ale. Although there's no suplexing going on. This was a black and and red lid, so I don't know how much that costs. Mmm, hopsy. Wow, that's hopsy. Wow. Okay. Mighty Isis. You know, I should just do it. <laughs> Wiggly's booze club. Now, if you're an alcoholic or any type of addictive personality, please drink some juice instead of the hard liquor I'm drinking. And if you're an alcoholic or something else, please drink some type of liquid instead of the beer I'm drinking. Okay, so here we go. If you didn't, if you didn't tune in last time, this is a golden. It's a golden book, but to try to make it more adulty, <laughs> more aimed at uh, preteens, I guess uh, this would be. A golden all-star book. 59 cents, this would have rocked you. This is number 6416. Isis. It just says Isis. And it has a picture of Mighty Isis from the television program, if you knew about that. But then the, the cover is actually a drawing of her. It looks like she's flying through some type of time tunnel, some type of rift in, in space-time. And she's carrying her uh, on her shoulder some really scared fella with... Uh, I guess he's maybe in his 40s, early, uh, maybe, probably around 48. Got a little bit of gray hair. He tucks his shirt into his jeans, and he also has a white belt on with a gold buckle, so you know what that means. I don't know. Then on the back cover, you got Isis, and boy, is she smoking. It's the one from the uh, TV program. If you haven't watched those, I recommend you watch those, uh, both Shazam and Isis. <laughs> By the way, whoa. Oh, yuck. That's hopsy and lemonade-y. <laughs> I hope I didn't just make you make sick in your sandals. Uh, because they're pretty great. Because Isis and Shazam, and, you know, Shazam's Captain Marvel, and you know, he has all these great villains and everything. But on the television, he would like... Uh, lift... Uh, he would like, uh, you know, track down some kids that stole a bicycle... Uh, he would lift the back of a car up. That was, you know, it. Because to get the guys that were stealing cars or selling cigarettes to kids. Same with ISIS. Not, not very much in the way of uh, supervillains. ISIS, Golden Press, Western Publishing Company, Inc., Racine, Wisconsin, 1977. 
Filmation Associates, all rights reserved, printed in USA, Golden Golden Press, as I mentioned last week, and a Golden All-Star book are trademarks of Western Publishing Company, Inc. That's right, because it was uh, Filmation that actually brought you those two live-action gimmicks. And Filmation had Isis in cartoons as well, but she was part of a team. And I've talked about this before on other shows, uh, 726, thank you, 726. Uh, Galactic, oh boy, forget it. I'll never remember right now. But it's a very funny team of characters that they put together, all like public domain characters and stuff like that, much like Defenders of the Earth. They had like Phantom and Flash Gordon and Doc Savage. Oh, no, they didn't have Doc Savage. It's somebody else. But, you know, it it was all like public domain stuff, I believe. Uh, so here's Isis, author Steve Skeets. Skeet, skeet, skeet. What was my card? I still got it on the, the Arnold Drake. Okay, so and uh, and then okay, the illustrator's the same, Jack Sparling. Uh, he's not a bad artist, you know. He he's definitely using a brush, and his proportions are great. He definitely, I I would assume, highly assume, it is my conjecture that. He uses uh, models, uh, actual people models that he t- took photographs of, etc. Contents two: the Discovery, fourteen: the Bermuda Triangle, and twenty-seven: Hard Lesson. Well, uh, there's the Discovery. Wait, I wonder if this is where she becomes ISIS. I don't know. I don't know. But it has a it has an Egyptian word in it, and I, and I don't know if I want to try <laughs> try to read that because it looks like a made up Egyptian word. So, oh, she fights a mummy in it. Yeah, I'll never get to the mummy. So let's go to the Bermuda Triangle. Oh my gosh, there's these like Roman centurions, except they have they they have, it looks like man that artwork looks like um, Kubert. That looks like Joe Kubert right there. That looks like Sergeant Rock. I bet he this guy swiped some Sergeant Rock photos, and instead of like a, a, a gun or a club or something else, he put in their hands these swords, and they're melting. The swords are melting. It says, and like I said, they're 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 obviously uh, Roman or Greek type of outfits, but they're green, and their helmets they have the side panels, but they're they look like a you know a Sergeant Rock brain bucket. The soldiers saw their swords melt, twisting and bending, all out of shape. That's what it says here. And Isis uh, doesn't really look like she's using powers, but her her uh, her Isis amulet on her head is glowing, and her hand is sort of just I don't know, as if it would be resting on a small child's head without the child. Uh. Do you still have a good clear blip on Warren's on Warren Pease's plane? The chief's voice rattled the small screen room of the tracking station. Yep, it's still coming in strong, Lieutenant Robert Snow answered calmly in his mouthpiece. It's traveling. And very matter-of-factly, he read off the plane's speed 
direction and position. Now see, it had the ellipses, the, the, the triple dots, because the, the words that are missing in there are the words of this plane speed and the direction and position. So that's actually how you use it when you omit something from something spoken or uh, yeah, mostly quotes of, uh, from somebody. And the writer, although he's really trying, <laughs> I don't know what type of thesis he's trying to write here uh, for the kids. And, and th this is, I, I gotta tell you, these are in pristine condition from 1977. Much more, uh, I mean, they're they're really nice condition. And it's because I never read them. It's too much. Plus, back then, I was dyslexic, couldn't read, and uh, couldn't see. I just wasn't drunk. And now, I have all those. Mm. That is hopsy. Holy hops. Woo-hoo. I need to, I need to lemonade on that. Hmm. Jesus. Twelve oh five. That lemonade's good. I tell you, those bitters work really well. You need a little drop, will do you? So I read the play. Now, I, so I assume this artist didn't know what type of how you uh, designate a plane speed. Because remember, they didn't have Google in 1977, so you couldn't just look it up. You had to go to the library, uh, check out a card. Look at the Dewey Decimal System, and um, and like that. And he probably didn't know about direction and position either. He might have longitude, latitude, and uh, altitude. Good, keep me posted, Sergeant Pete Granger jotted down some readings on the clipboard he was carrying. I've never seen no. <laughs> I forgot the voice I did for him. I've never seen no. <laughs> I'm trying to go back to guard. I've never seen the old man so nervous. Lieutenant, who is this yo-yo Warren Peace? Warren Peace. That's great. It's W-A-R-R-E-N-P-E-A-S-E. -E -E, Warren Peace. That's, that's wonderful. And what's so dang special about him anyway? Warren Peace is the State Department's troubleshooting roving di diplomat. He has a special knack for sitting down with both sides in a dispute and making them see reason. Remember the Civil War and Pantagia? Eight days after he started talking with the rival leaders, there was a ceasefire. Somebody once said that if peace hadn't been around for the president to call on these last ten years, we'd be in the middle of a world war in the middle of World War Six by now. And you're calling him a yo-yo? Well, if he stays on the course, he's following right now. In ten minutes, he'll fly smack dab into the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Now, would anyone but a yo-yo do a thing like that? Come on, Pete. You don't believe all that baloney about the Devil's Triangle, do you? But even as he spoke, Lieutenant Snow was pressing the switching open a circuit to the chief's office. If you don't believe it, Lieutenant, why are you bothering the colonel about it? Just a precaution, that's all. This one, this one I'm actually reading pretty well, 1439. I ain't gonna make it through, I'll tell you that. This microphone, I gotta figure out a way to, I need a head mic. Um, let's see. The colonel heard the news and seemed more agitated than ever. 
Keep watching. Let me know as soon as this as soon as he reaches the triangle. Was all he could think to say. He could just bet someone from the State Department would be on the phone in another minute or two. Every 15 minutes, they called for a report on Peace's position. Colonel Mossbach was beginning to feel responsible for Warren Peace. That is anything. That is that if anything happened to him, it would be his fault. Can't wait to. Oh my gosh! And the next picture. Next page is a picture of Hitler. And everything. Whoa. Wow. And the UN and the guy on the red phone. <sighs> Ten minutes later, he heard Lieutenant Snow report, cool and detached. The plane is, the plane is entering the Bermuda. Colonel, it's gone. You mean we lost him? No, we didn't lose him. We were following him all the way, sir. He was traveling at the same speed, holding the same course. Then all of a sudden, he disappeared right over the Bermuda Triangle. Warren Peace had been a pilot for 30 years, including World War II and Korea. He had flown in every kind of weather through the anti-aircraft flak, a, haul, a hail of 15 caliber bullets with flaming engines, instruments that didn't register, controls that didn't work, but nothing like this had ever happened to him. The past, the present, and even short segment and even short segments of some imagined future were swirling around inside his battered brain. Faces from his childhood, a teacher, a close companion, suddenly the face of a foreign minister hammering out the hard point out of a peace treaty immediately melted before his eyes and became an Air Force buddy who was shot down over Berlin more than 30 years ago. It was several seconds before these visions began to settle down into some coherent pattern. There was the jangling telephone that jarred him out of the sounds that jarred him out of a sound sleep. This morning, he thought. That was only this morning. Then he heard the voice of the assistant secretary shouting through the earpiece. Warren, listen! The peace talks began between Paranoria and Metacolps are breaking down. You know what that means? I know. I know, it means a shooting war, but what's that have to do with me? You got to get down there and sit in on that meeting, make them listen to reason. Why me, Kledge? Why me? Because you're the one man both General Morasco and President Carter will <laughs> will pay attention to. Their ministers had the treaty all worked out. Everyone was happy. But as soon as the two top men sat down together to sign in, to sign it, all their hostility came right out in the open. Small as those two countries are, their war won't stay private very long. Okay, Kledge. I'm on my way. I hope I can pull it off. I'll, I'll call the airport and have them check out my plane. I'll have the BAC clear your uh, lane right out of here. There'll be no delay. And Warren, good luck. The words, good luck, ran through Warren, Peace, Warren Peace's brain like an echo, and with it, 
All the pieces of his life, so suddenly scrambled, seemed to be fitting back together, but before War and Peace had a chance to relax and believe that all was well, again he realized there were two things wrong, deadly wrong. For one thing, he had completely lost his way. He had no idea where he was. Now I'm looking at that page that I know has Hitler on in 1904. Hitler's uh, uh, getting ready to yell, but now Hitler has uh, some type of... Uh, you know, one of these Miss America ribbons around his uh, chest area. I don't know what they call those that the, the, the dopes wear. And then there's a plane going down in the background. There's a guy hitting his chutes, hitting his silk. There's another guy that I guess is his friend that died and says, The past, the present, and even short segments of some imagined future were swirling around inside his battered brain. And then it shows, uh, like I said, the UN symbol with the guy way up high. It was like, this is really a, some type of freak out going on here. And uh, then it's uh, War and Peace on the uh, telephone, the red phone. He looks like he's in his uh, dress, dress blues. <laughs> and um, the phone, the red phone has the rotary dial in the middle of the telephone, so that's interesting. But it, 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 but it's not like a, it's not like one of these newfangled telephones with the, the had the touch button. You know the the wider phones. It's a, it's a regular like a old a nineteen seventies phone. One could say it's like a phone from nineteen seventy seven. Okay, now there's a picture of a plane, and this is a this is a, this looks like a a plane that. Uh, can land on water. I can only see from the top, so I don't know exactly what type, what plane it is. It's kind of weird. I, I'm not even going to speculate. The small island below looked like no archipelago, archipelago he'd ever seen before. So there's an island uh, down below him as well, where the plane's going. Plane looks like it's it's not doing so well. It's um, it's tilting towards. The yaw. <laughs> I don't remember right now. The small island below him weren't supposed to be there. They looked like no archipelago anywhere within a thousand miles of here. None that he'd ever seen before. Worse, his engines had stalled and he was losing control of the plane. If he couldn't, so if he couldn't solve the uh, problem number two in a matter of seconds, he, would, he wouldn't have to worry about the first problem at all. Colonel Mossbach was trying to contain his anger and frustration. Let me get this straight, Snow. Peace's plane showed no changes in course. That's right, sir. Its velocity was con its velocity was constant. Con no, this is a question, and I, but it's no question mark. Its velocity was constant, constant, constant. Yes, sir. No change in altitude? No, sir. It was only plane and vessel in the area? There was nothing within 100 miles of it. In other words, there was absolutely... I forgot. There was absolutely no indication that this plane was all... was all alone in the area, was in any sort of difficulty. No, sir. There was no failure in any equipment, even in... Why don't you just say, was everything okay? This guy's like... Uh, this guy's got to fill... There's no ads in here. Why has he got to make up all these words? We're not even at ISIS. 2237. I might hit ISIS by the time I get here. 
none, none, sir. As our equipment monitors show. Marvelous. Now I have to do it. Now I have. To, now I have to do is wait. Now all I have to do is wait for Washington to call, so I could tell him that with the help of the miracle of modern electronics, with the most sophisticated tracking equipment ever devised by man, we have managed to watch warm pieces disappear off the face of the earth. Tomorrow war, tomorrow warm will break out between Paranoria and Metaculpa. By next week, the whole world might be involved in it. Colonel, here's where Maggie can help. It was Anna. Oh, Colonel, here's where Maggie can help. It was Anna Lit Litz. I wish it was Lit Shits because I could pronounce it better. It was Anna List who spoke. Anna was a civilian attached to the military. She was in charge of the station's revolutionary computer, uh, affectionately known, called Maggie by everyone at the base. She had, in fact, been one of the brilliant experts who designed it. So complex was its conception and circuitry that it could be operated only by one of its creators. Burp, by the way, pardon me. So Anna had been assigned to accompany the computer to the station to oversee its installation and to stay with it at least until she could train others. Anna, are you telling me Anna, are you telling me that the machine is going to pull out our diplomat out of the hat? She was designed to find solutions to the most bizarre and baffling problems we can face. In fact, she can anticipate problems you and I can't even imagine. Anna did not even wait for Colonel Mossbach to respond. She was already feeding facts into the computer. Probably like pressing a numeric key like in Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. I am now telling the computer exactly what it can do with a year's supply of chocolate. Uh, no, she didn't say that. Um, out came the instantaneously out came the solution in four letters. I-S-I-S. The colonel almost exploded. We asked the electronic wizard how to find and bring back a diplomat whose airplane vanishes without a trace over the mysterious Bermuda Triangle and the computer says the answer is ISIS? Anna, what kind of answer is that? What's ISIS? Well, he'd know now, yes. What are we supposed to do? Wait, Colonel, I'll ask Maggie for details. Immediately, the computer's machinery began issuing a printout to the most concise, detailed information about the, the goddess, her history from ancient times to the present, including her current appearances and the fact that she seemed to be located in mid-city and that there was some connection between her and the and the high school. That's right, she was a, I guess she was a teacher, but I think, I think she taught science. Oh no, she was an archeologist, so I, I don't know. I don't know, I don't think you have archeology span teachers in high school, but I can't recall right now. I gotta go over watch an episode in four minutes. 2607, thanks. Okay, between her and the, and the high school. Anna? The colonel said, I don't believe a word of this. Besides, I don't understand a word of it. There's only one person in the whole world, 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 that can explain any of it. That's you. So I'm sending you in our fastest airplane to Mid-City to find a goddess Isis and have her bring back war and peace. <laughs> He's sending a computer. He's sending Anna to find, find a goddess. That's awesome. Right there. I love it. 
I'm never going to get to the part where ISIS fights the military men or flies this other guy around. Oh, maybe that's why she's in a, in a crazy um, uh, vortex because she's bringing him out of the Devil's Bermuda Triangle. That's a gateway to another world. Then he sank into his chair. And when Washington calls and I tell him exactly what has happened and what I've done, the Pentagon will send a delegation of generals in with white coats to come and carry me off. If you didn't know, the the loony bin uh, people with the nets would wear white coats and come and take you to the the loony bins. I know you all know that from the cartoons. Mm. Mm. That is hopsy. I don't like hops beer, you know, because it tastes a little bit like grapefruit. I like that. It's giving me a hop suplex ale. Don't drink, kids. Or if you're an alcoholic. Joshua's Banner, I'm give you a chip. Joshua's Banner at the end of our program. Joshua's Banner, Principal Joshua Banner, Principal of Mid-City High, clasps his hands and looks back and forth from Cindy Lee to Andrea Thomas. As you know, ladies, sometimes certain duties are thrust upon us which are not wholly academic, uh, that is, I mean. Please, Mr. Barnes, said Andrea, we know you're going to ask us to do something. Of course we're going to do it, so you might as well tell us about it without a prelude. I mean, with those fucking go-go boots and the, 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 the short skirt, man, the sky's the limit right there. 2840. She might change in ISIS. I don't know. You might have to, you know, go in a time machine and find out what happened. <laughs> go in a Bermuda Triangle. Eh, please tell us. Well, it's this class of 55 reunion. Bzzzt. It was the intercom. I thought, that, thought someone was giving him the, the buzzer. Uh, it was the intercom. At first, Mr. Barnes tried to ignore it. Anyway, I'd like you to... And then, see, there's double dashes, which indicates a pause. But he couldn't complete the... Uh, with the he couldn't compete with the buzzer. He flicked the switch. Yes? Mr. Barnes, this young woman out here says it's important. No, urgent. No, critical. Something about World War III. Unless we put her in touch with ISIS. Mr. Barnes, I don't know what she's talking about. But she's got identification papers that says she's on a special mission for the diplomatic service. And wait, you can't just go in there like that. The door burst. So you thought I was going to do some type of uh, a female secretary. No, I, I fooled you. 2954. Well, I got three seconds to finish it up here. Uh... The door burst open. Mr. Barnes hadn't had time to form any ideas with an expert to come through the door. If he, with what to expect to come through the door. Burp. The picture of Isis on the other side here, going through the cloud. She was falling faster and faster. It says so. She evidently she's trying to fly over the Bermuda Triangle, and now she can't even fly over it. She's getting, she's going to crash, and they're going to lose her on the radar. The door uh, opened, uh, didn't know what to say. Slender, dark-haired young woman, except for a certain urgency, uh, except for a certain urgency in her expression, she looked to be an 
Altogether pleasant person, hardly the type of to come bursting through closed doors into private offices. Mr. Barnes, I'm analysts. Here are my credentials. She held up a wallet with an ID card. Without any further in introduction, she launched into her explanation for being there. There wasn't a moment hesitate, moment's hesitation as she spoke. Her story was so well organized that her three listeners were never confused, never prompted to interrupt for a question. They believed every claim she made for, for the computer. Even the incredible story of how it came up with the name Isis and then directed her to Mid-City. Andrea especially was amazed at how this young woman had managed to deliver her message to the very person it was meant for. But of course, of course she didn't know. She didn't show her amazement. When Anna Litz had finished, Joshua Barnes said, Fascinating, Miss Lintz. Absolutely fascinating. There's only one trouble. I don't have the faintest idea how to get in touch with Isis. Maybe I can help Mrs. Bond, Mr. Barnes? Cindy chimed in. She's helped me out a lot, lots of times. I'm sure I can think of a way to get her word, get word to her. Oh my God, 3205. We got to at least see ISIS change, you know? Once that happens, we know how it ends. She saves everybody. And she fights a bunch of Sergeant, Rock, Sergeant Rocks uh, from, uh, from ancient Greece. Trojans. Uh, Cindy gets in touch with her, uh, that type of thing. Uh, this is Andrea, who is Isis. While you three are deciding how to reach Isis, I'm going back to my room and prepare for the day's classes. Yeah, that's a that's that sounds completely logical and believable. And you look just like her, except you have glasses on and a ponytail. Got the same fucking go-go boots when you turn in Isis. Okay, anyway, um, let's see here. Because she's got to say, like, the power of Isis or something. Andrea, uh, today's class is Andrea said, as she slipped away, she could hear Cindy saying, just let me concentrate hard on the name Isis. I believe she can, I believe we can contact her through mental telepathy. Oh, this one's got it all. This one's got, this one's got it all, the, the frou-frou. I wonder kids believe in stuff like this. Should be watching Scooby-Doo instead. But I love the program, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is fantasy. But uh, treating it like this is uh, sort of uh, confusing, I would, I would uh, imagine. Uh, and then to top it off, you had, you know, books by noted uh, people with a modicum of respect, uh, like the um, fellow that did all the language translations, whose name escapes me, did a, a book on the Bermuda Triangle and all this other shit, so... So she's going to concentrate and summon uh, Isis through telepathy. Andrea made for the nearest door, and as soon as she was alone outside the school, spoke the magic words, Mighty Isis! <laughs> Speaking magic words, Andrea turns into Mighty Isis. Um, transforming herself into that awesome figure. Seconds later, the goddess Supreme was... That's awesome! goddess Supreme was Gary, carried aloft by winds she had called forth to aid her. Yeah, that was, that was always great when she started flying up. Same winds gusted into Principal Joshua's Barnes' office. Cindy Lee rushed to the window and shut it. Her hands went out of the panel. 
Something in the sky caught her eye. Isis, she shouted. It's Isis. She got my message. Uh, I'll have to call the tracking station right away, said Anna List. They'll be able to, to pick her up on the radar. See, I knew she was going to pick her up on the radar. I knew that was going to happen. And like I said, she falls in a Bermuda Triangle, it looks like. Then she fights a bunch of uh, Sergeant Rock-looking guys with uh, hairy arms and spears. And then she pulls a warm piece out of there. The time portal is gone, Peace said. We'll never get back and we'll never get back to our world. Um, the words fall on deaf ears, blah 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 blah. And blowtorch went out. And big smile. I've got blowtorch one on screen. Da, da, da. Uh, I don't know. She got out of it. Back to me in the studio. No, no more of those books. Back to me in the studio. We hope that you've enjoyed tonight's reading of a Golden Book All-Star Book Isis book. Tone your own copy. I don't think they make these anymore. The management would also like to apologize. Tonight's super secret surprise celebrity guest, Louis Parker C.K., could not be on the program. That appears to not be a real person. For Wiggly and the entire crew of Wiggly's Book Club, I'm Wiggly, and remember kids, rip. Reading is fundamental.